I'm Melissa Elizabeth for the Heart Temple. And I'm Nick Ribeiro with Chain Assembly. And together we've designed a project called Women's Wheel. It's based on the philosophy of women evolving with the seasons. And new modern archetypes that exist within those seasons. This new way of thinking is presented in a core set with many items and activities designed to further understanding between you and the women around you. Much more than self-help, these tools are for one or more participants in a community growing setting. Learn more about the Women's Wheel core set and its development at www.womenswheel.co. Today, I am lucky enough to have Gianna Pergamo with me, primarily of Pergamo Paper Goods, but also uh, owner of many different side businesses, all that are art related. Gianna was, uh, I guess you could say a mentor for me early on as far as figuring out how to pay sales tax and business fees and licensing and all that stuff. Gianna really has this nailed down to a science, to a science and she's a, a pretty good inspiration. So I'm lucky to have you. Thank you, Gianna. That's very sweet. Thanks, Nick. Um, Yeah, I am the owner of Pergamo Paper Goods, which is a gift company based on my art. Uh, I say it's vintage inspired uh, art for animal lovers. And I do, uh, I make these mixed media collages that I turn into prints, cards, stickers, magnets, ornaments, earrings, etc. And then I co-own Toad Hill Farm with my partner, Dan. And then I'm starting some other stuff um, that's like, uh, it's it's still a little under wraps, but I am working on some other projects. And um, I am local to St. Pete. My studio is in Pinellas Park and studios at 5663. Great. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. So there's a lot of things I want to kind of dive into with you. So I think it's probably going to be smart to start in a chronological sense. Okay. So you started off in art school and uh, about how long after graduating from art school college did you decide to start a business or did that happen while you're in college? So when I was in high school, you know, I had to decide sort of what I wanted to do with myself, where I wanted to go to school. And I was stuck in between uh, going for art and going for physics. Um, And I decided I wanted to do art. And my like, kind of what was in my mind was that I wanted to do children's books. So um, I went to art school with that in mind. I went to the Rhode Island School of Design um, in Providence. And I uh, majored in illustration. Uh, And I took a lot of like a narrative kind of classes for like storytelling kind of art, as well as, you know, just like general uh, art classes, illustration classes, a lot of different media. Um, So I graduated, I took like a graphic artist job. And then uh, I was you know, I was thinking about what I wanted to do for myself. And um, I was approached to do a show, to uh, do a show of of pieces uh, in New Bedford. Uh, so I was thinking about what I wanted to do for this show. And I had been working uh, like in my last year of college on these like collage pieces, uh, s- stories. I had worked on the story um, for my favorite teacher, Judy Sue, and it was about a fish who went to market. It was called like <laughs> fish market, like, you know, like a market of, but it was fish going to market and they were selling like worms and stuff. It, it was very <laughs> silly, but it was like a fish that was, you know, all the fish were dressed up. And um, it, that was kind of the style I started working in this collage style and I really like animals. So I was making these uh, like narrative pieces with animals and I was like, oh, what should I do for the show? Let me make a bunch of these doing things dressed up, collage, mixed media. So um, 
So I, when I started working on the show, I was like, you know what? I should also maybe sell these pieces as other things. Why don't I turn some of these pieces into cards? So about uh, a little less than a year after I graduated, I had this show and I uh, took pictures of all of these pieces with the intent of turning them into cards. And that's how Pergamo Paper Goods started. Okay. So that was probably, uh, I guess, 11 years ago, you'd say? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so I guess uh, they must have been pretty successful sales uh, that make you want to keep doing that. Well, when I first started, um, you know, I was 23 and I didn't know what I was doing. And I'm really glad that I didn't know what I was doing because I would have been really intimidated, I think, if I knew like what I was trying to get into. Because I was like, okay, I'm making, you know, I don't know if it was like 12 or something pieces for the show. It was like 12 or 15 pieces. So I'm like, oh, I'll make six cards. And that's enough cards to have a small line of cards to show to stores. Six cards <laughs> is a really small amount to show a store. But I was like, six cards six can do it, six or 12. And I took that collection and I got them printed as cards. And I went around me with my social anxiety, going into <laughs> stores and being like, hi, will you, will you sell my cards? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you get a lot of rejections from that first kind of walk around that tour? Yeah. Yeah, I did. But I remember the first one that took them. I remember the first store that took them. Um, it's a store that doesn't exist anymore. Pie in the Sky on Thayer Street in Providence, um, a really cute gift shop. And the owner was kind enough to say, OK, let's do it. Let's sell some of your <laughs> collection of 12 greeting cards that's all you have in your whole line um <laughs> yeah but that you know I got it, it's awkward to go in you really should make an appointment before you go in you have to be really cool when you do it uh because uh, store owners get approached you know it's annoying someone to come up to you and show you something that's probably bad and then you have to be like oh that's uh you know like say something kind of polite but you know they say oh this doesn't work for my store or or, or I don't like it <laughs> <laughs> yeah a lot of people don't like it it's kind of it's, it's like niche um now I have you know a lot of people that like it but it's not like um it's not Hallmark and it's it's not, um, you know, something like they have in Target. So, uh, yeah. So comparing that to now, do you still find a need to go into stores and present yourself or you have basically all of the outlets you're comfortable with at the moment? If I'm on vacation, I have samples in my purse because as soon as I go into a store and talk to the owner or the manager and give them a sample and get their card, the whole trip is now a business expense. So, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, so you're still doing yeah. it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and I have, um, you know, another, a, a second brand that is smaller than my brand, and. Uh, uh, getting the word out that way and talking to people in person and showing them something physical is really good. Leaving a sample is really good um, because, you know, you can tell someone, oh, my thing is good, but, you know, right. oh, my thing is good. My thing fits your store. And then it turns out to be something that's like completely unrelated and like poorly crafted. So you want to leave them with something that is memorable and nice so i yeah going into stores i will still do that it's it's a little scary so when you're bringing those samples what type of collateral are you bringing with them like just a business card or do you have like a catalog or a flyer um so sometimes i don't have anything sometimes i forget 
And then I will like try to get them to look at my Instagram. But usually I have a sticker and a business card. Mm. Okay. The reason why I bring that up was because I recently designed a whole bunch of small card games. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So like in a desire to not give things away for free, I would show them to people, say, here are my samples. And then I would take them back, which I guess is a bad idea. I should just leave them with the person I'm showing them to. But I did create these flyers. <laughs> that show um, like ev- all the different games, what the games are about, what the age levels are, website, uh, contact great. information for wholesale pricing. And those, I I only recently got those made, but they've done really well at markets because a lot of people have come up to me and said like, oh, I have a friend who has a game store or I have a friend who's got a store that these would go well with mm-hmm. and I hand them the flyer. And it's also really tedious to explain to someone the 10 different games are all very different. So I can just say like this flyer explains them all. Let me know if you have further questions on any one of them. That's great. Yeah. I do like having that collateral. I need, I should probably have a postcard. I should do a postcard um, that has uh, some more information on it. Um, Usually the sample works. Maybe you should also just have a pack of cards and give them like the flyer and give them two cards. Mm, like, okay. like one of the card, like one of the ones with the best illustration on it, Yeah, you know, something really eye catching so they can feel it. No, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. The quality is important for sure. Very important. When you, uh, I guess when you're 11 years ago, when you're starting this process of approaching stores and doing it now, uh, do you always go in with an example or a set idea of how the remuneration for your products is going to work? They're going to buy it. Well, what do you mean, <laughs> Nick? I mean, sorry, like wholesale <laughs> versus consignment versus like minimum order quantities. Are you open to all of it? Wholesale always except a couple of local cases where I personally know the store owner. Okay. And have a relationship with them because you have no idea what people will do. Um, but yes, I have um, all of that. I have $150 minimum. I have set minimums per product design and uh, like product type and uh, case quantities and everything. Yes. Okay. How did you come up with the 150 Was that a number you just decided on and it's stuck with ever since or has it changed over time? 150 seems about right for opening order and then 100 for reorder. Um, unless it's like a special case, someone messages me, they need to add something on or whatever. But um, I mostly sell to smaller establishments, like cute little gift shops, uh, kind of places. And uh, I feel like 150 is like the sweet spot you want. Uh I want it to be affordable for them. Like it, you can't have it be too much inaccessible, but for a store to really sell your stuff, they have to have a decent sampling of your work, um, like a little collection. Otherwise, it's what's the point? You know, uh, I'm not going to do a $25 order. That's ridiculous. Right. Do you provide them any type of other like, shelf hangers or advertisement for your brand or is it just the 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 material so um i it's mostly just the products uh a a lot of the products uh like sticker okay honestly i want to start making some uh sticker displays because i have the capacity to make those and i think it would be a good idea but uh stores who already sell stickers usually have a sticker display um they'll have a greeting card display they'll have where they put their art prints my ornaments i don't sell packet i also don't really like a lot of packaging i try to be um like eco-friendly so like an ornament they get it on the string and it has a little tag and you know they can stick the price on the tag or on the back of the ornament Um, but that ornament has got to hang on a tree or on a hook uh yeah so i don't i don't really provide that much um stuff with it maybe i should a little bit but uh yeah uh some some places like a uh, florida craft art when you check out from them they give you a little uh handout on the artist which is pretty nice 
Hmm. I like when stores do that. They give a little bio. Wow, that's a good idea. I like the stores that I'm in. I don't think any of them do that. They'll give you like a place to drop your business card, but that's a well, cool my idea. art prints. When I sell an art print, when I uh, when I sell an art print, I include a little bio card on the back. Mm. So like art print, and then this is about me. So they do have that, it, you know, it says like how I make the piece, where I'm from, blah, blah, blah. So that, you know, that's a little something. I do slip my business cards into all my prints packaging, but I don't, I don't really do the bio. Maybe I should. Well, I guess the difference in that is with me, I don't ever want to present myself as an individual. I always want to present chain assembly as an organization so i guess that's probably one of the reasons why i'm not interested in a bio but that could also just is be that me because, being not very self-confident so <laughs> is that because you want to hire other people to work uh under your brand so that's a ultimately i always like to try to imagine chain assembly being kind of like mondo publishing where mondo i don't just, know mondo publishing so Mondo just started as a guy who would make alternate movie posters at the Alamo Draft House in Austin, Texas. And so like whenever they'd be showing an old movie, he would just do like a custom movie poster. Then companies started reaching out to him to do like, hey, can you do this limited edition cover for our album, for our band? Can you do an alternate poster for this A24 movie coming out? And then eventually they hired other illustrators to take on more work. Um, so that's kind of inadvertently what I've been modeling the business after. I like to make it seem like there's multiple people involved and then also have the freedom to bring in multiple people if needed. I see that. Yeah. Um, a, a sticker company that I follow, Turtle Soup, does the same thing. I believe it was originally started by a husband and wife team. And uh, but they've brought on other illustrators. So, yeah, that makes sense. So looking at your businesses specifically, like Pergamo Paper Goods wouldn't really make sense to do that because it's named after you as an individual. So it makes sense that you would always be advertising yourself as the creator of those items. But your secondary right. business with your partner, Toad Hill Farm, that is a lot more nebulous as far as the entity of who's creating things. So do you have different approaches in the marketing to those two businesses? Yes. Well, they're marketed to different stores. Mm -hmm. Like they, I have a little bit of overlap, um, but um, so that one I say like uh, Toad Hill Farm is a project by uh, Gianna Pergamo and Daniel Frank Corr, and uh, it's based out of St. Pete, Florida and blah, blah, blah. Um, right now i mean if it you know it's it's run by gianna pergamo and daniel frank core uh chain assembly is run by nicholas mm -hmm. ribera out of saint pete florida you could put uh and then as other illustrators join you can say and this piece is illustrated by right whatever yeah <laughs> you know like just like the like a just a tiny bit of uh, something. Uh, Nick Nicholas is, uh, you know, something nice about you, something personal. Uh, he's a, a community builder in the art uh, with artists, and he uh, he likes ice cream. I don't know, <laughs> like something. Yeah, yeah. I, on all my stuff, I say, you know, I'm the artist. Gianna Pergamo, artist and animal lover. Okay. That's me. All right. So you you find then that adding that little bio really ultimately helps with brand building and sales down the road. I I think creating relationships helps. Uh I want to create a relationship because I'm working mostly I do wholesale. I also do retail, but um, if I can build a relationship with the store owner, that's beneficial to me and to them. If they know who I am um, and I know who they are, uh, it helps. I, oh, you know, uh, Susan owns a 
a, a plant shop that also has a small gift area. And I, you know, I know whatever she likes, I, you know, I, I can suggest certain products. She can ask me for certain things. Um, and it's mutually beneficial. Now with, with Toad Hill Farm, is that organized as a separate LLC or is that like a DBA under Pergamo Paper Goods? It's a separate LLC because um, it's with another it's it's with another person, so it's separate. Right. Yeah. See, I guess you have to keep all that. It yeah. probably doesn't really need to be, but me and Dan aren't married yet, so um, it it, it kind of organizes things a little better. Well, Dan, if you're listening, notice Gianna said yet. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so with those businesses, I know you do a ton of sales from Etsy specifically. What percentage of say looking at Gianna or at Pergamo Paper Goods, what percentage of your sales would you say are from Etsy? Huh. So I would say 90% of my sales are wholesale. Okay. And maybe 10% is retail on Etsy and on my website. Was was that chunk bigger before Etsy forced everyone to do free shipping on everything? No. Okay. So Etsy was always a small part of Pergamo Paper Goods. Wholesale was always my intention. Okay. Um, there was a while where retail there was a good while where retail was bigger but it wasn't on etsy it was doing markets but i don't do markets anymore i'll do a couple of markets now but there was a while where all almost all my income was just markets weekend after weekend yeah i remember having that conversation with you a few years ago i feel like i've slowly slipped into that region too of my career where the value of markets has dwindled to a point where you can be way more judicious on which ones you do. And that is yeah. such a relief to be in that phase. Cause yeah, doing yeah. markets where nobody buys anything is just, it's time consuming. It's heartbreaking. It really questions your existence and why you're doing what you're doing. Also we're in Florida. It's hot it's taxing on your body. If you're outside doing an event, even if it's a four or five hour event, you're wiped for the rest of the day. You're done. So talking about the items that you are making and wholesaling, um, which of those are you able to do yourself and control the manufacturer of? And which of those are you outsourcing? I outsource a good chunk of it. Um, so prints and cards are done by a local printer. Um, stickers are done by a small company in Idaho that I've been working with for a couple of years. They are really great husband and wife team. Um, I love their quality and like great customer service and, um, anything, the magnets and the ornaments and the earrings were originally outsourced with a guy who laser cut them for me. And then for better or for worse, for better, really, he um, was unable to cut them for a little while and it really screwed me over. And that's when I decided that I needed to invest in a laser cutter. So, um, you know, a blessing in disguise. Now I'm able to laser cut uh, all of my magnets, ornaments, and earrings and uh, Dan actually handles all the laser cutting. And then we started Toad Hill Farm where everything is laser cut. And so he handles uh, that, that area. Do you have a process for, I guess, I don't want to, um, what's the best way to put it? To, I guess, like, do you create orders for Dan to print uh, or to, for Dan to cut? Or is it just <laughs> yeah. like, well, we're low on this. Let's do these next. Or is there like a. I wish, well, I wish that we had a lot of backstock on everything and it was like super organized like that. But uh, for a couple of reasons, we have not been able to achieve that yet. 
Um, actually, we needed to buy a part for the laser cutter this month. And that was so stressful because, you know, production shut down for a little while and we were behind for like a couple weeks. Oh my God. But so now I have like a system where any order I get that has magnets or ornaments in it, I double print it and give him a copy mm. and I change the due date. So he thinks it's due earlier than it is. <laughs> and to give myself a couple extra days. And uh, that's our organizational system right now. So he has a stack of orders that he goes through and he'll cut me, you know, six cats, three pigs, blah, 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 uh, until I'm, and then put, he, sometimes he'll glue everything for me as well. And then, uh, sometimes he'll even pack it for me too, which is, which is a bonus, um, because I don't have, a, an assistant right now. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so generally then with the setup you have for Toad Hill Farm, you are, doing more or less the customer service order processing part and he's doing the manufacturing part. Yeah. Okay. So it's nice that you found systems that kind of help organize that. Cause like <laughs> for, for listeners out there, once you do something well, you're going to start trying to replicate that as much as possible. And it, it helps to kind of remember that process over and over again, because you're going to be doing it a thousand times if you're lucky. I think this system is working. Um, we've tried other systems and this system seems to be working better. We might change it. And then hopefully once we're caught up, we will start building backstock again because it's stressful not having backstock. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Since you eventually took over the laser cutting aspect that you were outsourcing, are there any points of manufacturing that you are planning on incorporating such as the printing or the stickers oh so i was looking at uh uv printers for stickers but those machines are giants then you need a cutter and you know you need it to lay you need to laminate the stickers it's like a lot and it's very costly um so The new project that I uh, want to work on uh, is going to be apparel, and I'm trying to figure that out. Um, I think I'm going to begin it at everything print on demand, and then I'm going to look into uh, getting a machine. Um, Yeah, I'm highly considering buying a DTG machine, I think it's a good idea, but I'm trying to be like chill on it and not overload myself right now. Also, I don't have anywhere to put it right now. Um, Uh, Yeah, I could say with my business specifically, the biggest issue isn't so much the cost of the items as it is the place to put the items. Because I'm in a small house. I don't have a a separate studio. I'm just in a two bedroom house. And Mm -hmm. like it was a struggle to find a place to put my image ProGraph 1000 because that's like a three foot wide printer. (laughs) Oh, your printer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, How big does your printer print? Uh, 17 by 22. Yeah, she's good to know. I highly recommend this printer. Um, I did have to just buy ink for it recently and it was $700 for the ink. Yeah. But yeah, but. It, it definitely makes up for the freedom of saying, oh, this piece got accepted to a market. I can print my giant format version of it right now. I don't have to send it off, wait for it to arrive and hope it arrives in time for me to frame it and bring it to the event. We have a printer that we use um, for Toad Hill and for like emergency stuff for me uh, that will print 13 by 19. It's like a... a canon picks up picks i don't know something like that uh it's it's nice uh it's 13 by 19 we really usually only need 12 by 12 8 by 10 11 by 14 11 by 17 uh so but it's good to know someone with a 17 by 22 yeah yeah if you need anything from me let me know uh i I do regularly print 12 by 18 as a size, which is why I went with this one. So the next piece of, I guess, 
uh, studio office supplies that I really want to buy, which I know, again, will take a crazy amount of space is I just really want to be able to cut my own mats and like a good proper uh-huh. mat cutter should okay. take up a lot of space. And I got no place for that. Are um, they really big? Uh, I feel like it should be like, I don't want just like a blade at a 45 degree angle. Cause I'll screw that up every time. I love the freedom of going to a thrift shop and buying a frame. Cause it's pretty, not because it's the right size. And if it's a pretty frame, I can cut any mat to work with any one of my prints. So that's just kind of the struggle. I like that. I my workaround for things in my home is I just don't mat things. I just put colored paper in the frame and then I mount the print over the colored paper. So it's not Mm. matted. It's just yeah. And that's how I do for my house because I'm not selling it. But um, if they were matted, that would be like beautiful. Yeah. One thing I've absolutely noticed is a, a matted print will outsell an unmatted print any day of the week. Really? Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I've seen your studio. It's incredibly well organized. You have all those tiny little shelves with all of the little drawers and all the little pieces you have. When you're selling prints, are you usually matting them or no? No, I don't mat them. Okay. Interesting. But you're still, what, what, what general sizes are you offering? I only offer eight by 10. Oh, okay. Is that for simplicity's sake? Is that based on research as the ones that sell the most? Or what's the reasoning behind that? Um, I, you know, okay, I, 99% of the time I sell eight by 10, I sell eight by 10 to stores. Um, I have a couple of stores that request 11 by 14. Um, and I'll print those at home and send them to him. Um, and they, Sometimes stores, honestly, sometimes stores don't sell them the way I send them. They frame them themselves and sell them for more. Um, I have a couple of stores that do that. They're, they're again, buying those those prints wholesale? Yes. I used to offer to one store special. I would frame things for them and send it. But that's really a lot of work. When you're doing those wholesale prints... Do you have a minimum for each design or just a minimum total for that format of product? So I have my $150 slash $100 minimum for everything. Right. And then for stickers, it's six per design. For magnets, it's three per design. For prints, it's a free for all. You can buy one of everything. I don't care. Uh, prints and earrings uh, because, uh, you know, they might want to, you know, they have my little sticker display or whatever. They might just want to have a couple of prints um, or they might want to do a whole wall of maybe they want 15 or 20 prints and they want one of each of uh, whatever they're into. Um, So I don't do a minimum on prints. Are you signing the prints that people are ordering from you? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I do the same, but I've noticed a lot of people don't sign their prints. Yeah. I mean, it's nicer to have it signed. No, I get that. I'd hate for someone to want to hunt me down and then sign their print because it wasn't signed to begin with. So. Right. So these are... Um, wholesale orders that you're generally getting from your website most of the time or from you initiating conversations with people? So, um, yeah, I, I have my customers that I've got from emailing or going in or whatever. And now there's also online wholesale marketplaces like Etsy, but for wholesale. Is that fair or other ones? It's mostly fair right now. The other ones, uh, abound, closed, uh, there were, uh, the Etsy wholesale existed for like half a minute. Uh, it's mostly fair right now. There's also Indie Me, which I tried out, but I couldn't really figure out, um, because it was the, the back ends was extremely difficult and I just, I couldn't get it set up. Uh, so I mostly use fair. I've been on fair basically since they opened when they were Indigo fair. So fairs worked well for you then? Oh, yeah. Okay. I 
I started off with fair. I had a couple wholesale orders for my tarot decks. Uh-huh. And I really hated the way it was structured. Why? Where your first order, uh, you only if I remember correctly, you only get 40% of the order. Was that right? No, Nick. No, Nick. <laughs> you you have your wholesale price. How much do your well, yeah. tarot decks wholesale for? So I, I'm wholesaling my tarot decks for forty uh, percent off. No, um, they're not forty percent off. That's the price. Don't think about it that way. That's what that's what's getting you stuck. No, my well, <sighs> art print is cost eighteen dollars. Right? No, right. I understand what you're saying, but I think the way you're structuring it is gonna annoy you and make you not want to do wholesale so i used to sell my prints for 15 now they're 18 the wholesale price is eight dollars that's not 50 percent or 60 they're they cost eight dollars when i retail them it's double it's not half of retail it's double wholesale so all my prices are structured from what I want for wholesale. My stickers cost $150. That's not half of $3. $3 is double $150. Do you do you understand the way I'm Yeah, so you're prioritizing the wholesale price over the retail price. Yeah, you need to know okay. what you want. So you want how much for a tarot deck? Uh Sorry? I retail them for 40. Okay. So you retail them for 40, you wholesale them for 20 is what 20? I happen. Yeah. Okay. So fair takes a cut. Fair right. takes, they changed their pricing structure a little bit um, recently. So I was grandfathered in for a while to this old structure where everything was 18%. Now it's 15%. Unless it's a direct customer that you got, which is 0%, it's 15%. And then on the first order, it's an additional $10. So if your minimum is uh, 10 tarot decks, $200, they're going to take 15% of 200. 30? Yeah. Is that 30? Yeah. Plus $10. So $40, so you'll get $160 for 10 tarot decks. Is that worth it to you, or do you need to raise your price? Um, that is worth it to me. But okay. from yeah. what I recall when I was on fair, my first order ended up being at cost because of whatever fees they took off of it. And they said that anytime there's a reorder from that same customer, there wouldn't the fees wouldn't be as bad. And I thought that just right. didn't make sense to me. I still get right. wholesale it's... orders on my own without needing fare. Yeah. Good. Um, and those are almost always from just people finding me and messaging me on WhatsApp because it's a lot of like places in Hong Kong, Thailand, etc., who just want cool. me to ship stuff to them directly. Which like and, and that's also, great. I, and my business isn't really targeting wholesale. Most of my sales are retail from my store, from Etsy, from people who found the product on an old Kickstarter campaign. So I'm I'm not really right. Yeah. I think you should sell to stores though, because I could see your tarot decks in a, a certain kind of store that I'm envisioning that has like you know, different tarot decks, a lot of other different cool artsy stuff um, that will support that price point. And you can totally get those stores by yourself. You don't need to use a an intermediary. but Or you could use the intermediary. It's a good thing you bring that up because I have walked into a lot of stores that sell tarot. And I introduce myself. I tell them I am a tarot creator. Um, I'm local. I have some products. I would like to show them to you. And almost all the time, or everyone I've been to, no one has wanted to carry my tarot decks in person. That's okay. They all say that they're just happy with their distributor from uh, Llewellyn Publishing. And I know a couple places that would probably be interested in your tarot decks. I mean, I've sold them at non-tarot stores through consignment right. and wholesale. 
So like at, at art places, they'll carry them. Uh, but places right. that specifically do tarot and metaphysical and crystal stuff. No, they're just looking for the cheapest thing possible from their existing distribution partners. Yeah, you have to figure out what your target store is. And it's not that. It's a higher end store that also sells art, that might also sell oddities, that might also sell um, vintage, uh, that might, you know, there's a lot of stores that would definitely sell your stuff. I can think of a couple uh, and I'll, I'll give you their contact information later. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. So let's uh, take a bit, a bit about to what you're envisioning for the future of your business. You mentioned the direct-to-garment printer. I love mm-hmm. the idea, too. I wanted to get one. But in my yeah. mind, I don't know if this is true, but in my mind, it's going to be very difficult to run a business off of one direct-to-garment printer. Um, well, it would be my – it would be what, – uh, what exactly is the issue? Tell me. I, I just imagine you need at least two. Because, <laughs> like, if you're going to have a design available as a shirt, you need to have 16 varieties of it available before you bring it to customers. You know what I mean? Um, but I guess that's uh-huh. really more. I understand. Of, that's more of a screen printing logic. Because if someone orders the shirt, so, then you make the shirt. You don't necessarily right. need you to just have need a this- bunch of sizes available. You just need a sample of each design right. on a model or a very nice mock-up uh, to sell the shirt, and then you can print it. I have My site is already connected to printful.com, which I highly recommend yeah. them, especially for their samples. Their quality is great, uh, and their cheapest shirts are about $10 each. So you retail it for whatever, your customer is getting a printed shirt for $10. Uh, that's what Printful is going to charge you as the seller. And I imagine it's going to be... Yeah, I need yeah. to get samples. Yeah. Well, you're able to do, th- I want to say it's three sample orders a month. No, it's one sample okay. order a month where whatever you add to your card is 20% off. And you can have up okay. to three items in there. So I think cool. you've probably seen the fanny packs I've got made. Um, and that I yeah. I've sold at markets. Those are all uh, printful samples. But I've also done T-shirts a lot. I would but... like to look at your items again sometime and touch them. I I stopped really bringing them to markets because it. I mean, I sold out of the fanny packs, and it's not like a, a product I've been relying on or anything. And with the shirts specifically, I stopped making those because I just hate having to lug shirts at markets. So now I'm almost all tarot games and art prints uh, specifically. But that being said, I Uh do offer lots of shirts and items on my website that are directly connected to Printful. And uh, almost every product I wear, every shirt I wear is something from Printful. Um, Because I I don't feel like I'm going to wear a T-shirt that markets someone else's uh business or brand might as well just always oh, i have myself a question is this from is this from printful no that one is silk screened oh it is with like a rainbow roll yeah yeah so the uh the person i nice. was uh, yeah the person who did that one for me they um I told her I couldn't decide on two col- on which two colors to make it. So she's like, oh, mm-hmm. I could just kind of use two sides of ink, uh, two colors of ink on the screen. And so I just started having her do that for all the, the silkscreen shirts that I have done, which, again, hasn't been that many because I hate carrying shirts and sizes and dealing with all that inventory. Yeah, inventory management is annoying. So, like, if I were to go the manufacturing of clothing route... And we were to compare direct to garment versus sublimation. I think I would be more likely to go the sublimation route because with that equipment, you could then also do coffee mugs and notebooks and mouse pads and Ah. all that stuff with the same equipment. The only downside is you can't do cotton as a T-shirt. You can only sublimate polyester. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. No, I want to do. No, I'm going to do either D. The machine I was looking at is will switch between DTG and DTF. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm sorry. That's what it's called. So what is uh, DTF? Is that 
Uh, direct to fabric? Oh, no, it's direct to something else. Okay. Um, but it means it that it 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 will print to a the word to a transfer. It's a word with an F that oh. it means transfer, mm-hmm. uh, and you can do like a three D object, like a hat. Or okay. something. Maybe it's direct to film or something. And then you can heat that onto the fabric. Is it direct to film? I don't, <laughs> don't know. know. They should Maybe. name it something else. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How much is a sublimate? Uh, how much is a sublimation machine? So as far as I understand, with my total lack of research and just hearsay, um, it's generally... Uh, <sighs> I think it's just specific inks that you can use on any printer and a specific paper. And then it prints onto that okay. and then you just need a heat press. And then the heat press uh-huh. is come in different shapes or attachments for different shapes. Or an oven. I, I think you need to do pressure and heat. So the oven would be difficult. Oh, okay. I Yeah, I worked at a print shop that did mostly silkscreen. Um, and they, uh, mostly did like mugs and cups and stuff. So that I like kind of know what that looks like. We didn't really do that much sublimation. Sure. Dan worked at a place that did uh, all kind of stuff. So he actually knows a little bit more about the machines than I do. Well, you've seen the pattern baseball caps that I've made, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the way those are made, the manufacturer sublimates the repeating pattern onto reams of fabric. And then they sew the fabric mm-hmm. into hats. Yeah. So that's that's the sublimation. Uh, and since I also work like with a lot of disc golf related activities, generally each tournament has a custom T-shirt for the shirt. And those lately have all been all over print sublimated designs. But I like to wear cotton. <laughs> no, I get that. I get that. And direct to garment is pretty nice. It's not as nice as silkscreen, but... The flexibility of it is yeah. Worth ladies it. like to wear co- like a cotton shirt, and I like to market to ladies mostly. Sure. Have you seen my stuffed animals that I used to make? No, I have not. So I'm thinking about starting to make them again, and so I used to get the fabric uh, printed through. What's it called? A spoon the flower fabric. What? Yeah, spoon flour. And I would get like huge rolls of fabric with different animals printed on it. And then I would have a seamstress cut them out, sew them to a different fabric backing and stuff them. Mm. I don't know how they printed stuff, but they changed the fabric I was using and it became really annoying. But I think I'm going to start doing them again. I just I need to find a fabric manufacturer that I like. So I really liked the I, I really liked the idea of making custom Hawaiian print shirts. And in my mind, I figured I would get fabric made somewhere. That's beautiful. <laughs> and then I would have some local seamstresses turn them into the shirts. May I ask yeah. what, what prices you were um, being charged to get those uh, sewn up? Oh, it was it was like nine or ten years ago. Uh, so I don't remember. I remember how I found a person. I put an ad on Craigslist looking for uh, a seamstress tailor type person to do it. And then I paid them per piece. Um, there's a lot of people that will work per piece. And I guess you just negotiate that. Uh, I don't know what the cost would be for a handmade shirt, especially in the right. United States. <laughs> yeah. Could you get them produced uh, in China or something? Yeah, I probably Sewn could. in China? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would probably be cheaper. Yeah, I've done um, uh, all over print tank tops uh, in China, and those have come out great. Um, cool. So it's nice when you can... Hawaiian like, actually- shirts? That would be pretty sweet. I, yeah, that would be, be really good. I'd like to do like sexy skeleton ladies on a Hawaiian shirt. Oh, my God. <laughs> and can you make like a sundress? I would wear a sundress like oh, that. That would be nice. That'd be fun. It'd be cool to or make bathing suit. custom parasols, too, or fans. Anywho, I can make anything, but I do. Uh, I know you can make anything. It's so fun. I do highly recommend you do not be afraid of browsing Alibaba for manufacturers that will do custom dolls 
and custom stuff. Really? Animals. Yeah. Uh, I've okay. seen, uh, I've seen some creators on TikTok who have, um, worked with manufacturers. They just send them the design and you know, you're paying really great prices for something that's simple. They'll just sublimate the fabric on huge reams. sew it, fill it, ship it. And it's not going to be a heavy thing to ship back either. So I'm sure the more quantity would be no more than a hundred for those. A hundred for each design. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. Because if we you know. right, and we could maybe yeah. do fifty each of ten designs or something. Yeah, I'll look into it. That's a good. That's a really good idea. Thank you. Yeah, when I got skateboard decks done, the minimum order was twenty, but ten per design. So that was very easy to justify ah. for me. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. And then I just pay for samples or whatever. Uh, oh, that's oh, I love it. Twenty twenty four, bringing back the stuffed. I call them stuffed critters. Yeah. So, <laughs> and cool. it, I'm sure it'd be easy since your art often features characters that people have fallen in love with. It wouldn't be hard to translate an order from, you know, uh, greeting cards to prints to now they're buying a physical doll. Yeah. Yeah. So in hindsight, or maybe on purpose, is there anyone whose business you've been modeling your business after? Um, when I first started, I, I started only with cards. So I was looking at other small uh, or like independent card companies. And I asked my guidance counselor at school, like, who who do I get advice from? And he like, he, I think he recommended an alumni that had a small, uh, like card business that was doing well. So the first person I talked to, I forget her first name, but of uh, two trick pony as a, a card company. And I just sent them an email and I said, like, I'm trying to start this thing. And like, can I ask you a couple questions? And so gracious, like answered my questions. Um, sometimes people are just so kind. So that was one. I like got a book about uh, doing wholesale greeting cards. And that helps me figure out how to like organize stuff. And then after that, um, it was really funny because I did cards and I like didn't want to do art prints because I didn't understand art prints and that someone would want to buy an art print because I only want to touch original things, but other people don't care or, you know, you can't always afford a painting. I know like I can't just drop $300 on everything that I love, $300, $1,500, you know? So, um, that's when I started doing the art prints. It took me such a long time to figure out, oh, I can do art prints and people will buy them. Yeah. I did cards and I did art prints. Then I added the stuffed critters. Then I stopped doing the stuffed critters. Then I started doing stickers then I started doing earrings, magnets, and ornaments. You're still generally keeping everything within the same theme, same art style, and generally keeping it as paper goods. So when it comes, yeah. when it came to, um, did you trademark your um, uh, Pergamo paper goods name? No. Well, I, I should I? So <laughs> I took a class uh, last year called co-starters which was like this 10-week course i also took co-starters okay. but yeah so I, one of the, I don't know about that <laughs> yeah uh, i don't know how useful it was uh but it did make me feel comfortable with trademarking that being said when you are trademarking you have to choose what kind of what category to do it under and if you do multiple categories you have to pay the fee for each category but What's the point of trademarking my name that's already registered as a business that no one can take in Florida? You think someone else is going to try to start Pergamo Paper Goods or use my name? That would be very weird. Well, I think, don't quote me, I'm not a trademark lawyer, but if someone tries to sell 
bootlegs of your art, you have mm-hmm. the trademark because it was made under Pergamo Paper Goods. And then you could okay, I'll take look legal into action it. against them. But so when I was I'll, choosing okay. what category to trademark my business under, I did printing because that allows for adult coloring books, children coloring books, art prints, G. Clay prints, hats. Posters. Oh, the coloring books. I love your coloring books. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I want to do a coloring book. Oh, okay. Um, well, I highly recommend using yeah. Nick Sam as the printer. They also made my flyers and they've made my last few coloring books. Say that books. again. Mix Sam is M-I-X-A-M. It's an American company. Thank you. Very cheap, very great pricing. Great. Then they do other small books. I can yeah. do just small books through them. Yeah, they could do They do full books. color too. Yep. Yeah, they, they cool. do tons of stuff. So and they have a dynamic pricing calculator on their website. So it's not like you have to talk to someone to get a quote. OK, cool. I like that. So aside from um, looking into printing apparel yourself, what's next for Pergamo Paper Goods? <sighs> um, honestly, I'm trying not to start too many new projects right now because we're going into holiday order time Mm. and I'm already like getting so distracted by all these other projects that are going on. Um, I feel like like Pergamo Paper Goods, maybe I'll add some new types of products. That's like kind of percolating. I've been doing like a lot of personal kind of uh, projects uh, that are also art related at the studio. Uh, we restarted our queer social, our monthly queer social. That's really fun. We do like a craft project at the studios. Um, I'm meeting a lot of nice people that way. Um, I'm just like lately, I'm just in a super collaboration mode. Um, doing like projects with other people personally and it's i'm finding it really fulfilling that's fun now i I do want to ask you specifically about having like a a public studio space at the studios at 5663 uh do you find that when you have your monthly uh art walks that it's valuable sales wise enough for you to actually be there on those evenings Yeah, well, um, so we had Art Walk last night, and it was so lovely. So many people came to visit me um, that I know, and then some people came to visit me that I don't know, but who know me. Um, So I had some friends and other artists come visit, and I was able to show them what I was working on, and then they had ideas, and like, you know, it was very inspiring. Um, as well as, uh, being in my studio space for so long, I've been in it for five years. People know that I'm here. So, uh, people will, uh, so there's a lot of people that like see the event on Facebook and they just like wander in and looking like, Oh, what do you have? And, you know, maybe they'll buy a couple things, but really more valuable are the people that know that I'm here and that are coming to see me specifically, Uh, There was a man and his daughter who came last night that was like, oh, my God, I bought a couple pairs of your earrings um, for my wife at an event uh, a couple years ago, and I want to surprise her with some new earrings. So, like, he came, like, he wanted my stuff. I pulled out all the earrings, and we picked out a bunch of new earrings for his wife. Um, and then like people come, they talk to me, you know, you know, at a market, people come and talk to you. Maybe you never see them again. People come and talk to me. They're thinking about, they want to buy a piece. They're thinking about which piece they want to buy. And then two, three, four times later, they'll buy an original or they'll buy four framed prints. Um, also, I just meet a lot of nice people and it's it's nice to be able to share my art and like kind of get feedback. Also, I never see children. And so when children come into my studio and look at my work and because I still want to do children's books one day. So when children come in and look at my work, if it makes them excited, 
I get all excited. So they come in and they're like, cat mermaid, you know, whatever. And then I'm like, which ones you like? And like, they give very honest feedback. A four-year-old <laughs> is going to tell you, I like the the horse. That cat is freaky. Like, I don't like that one. So you're like, okay, thank you. That cat is freaky. You, you know, so just uh, having that kind of stuff. Also, the immense uh, value of the studio for me um, so I have my space that I can work in that's not my home. So it's not distracting for me, cleaning, cooking, dogs, whatever. Um, so I come here, even if I don't work, it kind of puts me in the right headspace. But um, my studio, honestly, I think I have the best studio in the world hmm. because the people in my studio are incredibly nice and collaborative. And I've gotten to know a couple of them very well. And we work on projects together. Um, I can be working on a painting and completely stuck. I go bring it over to John's studio. And he's like, you know, do this to it. And I'm like, oh, my God, just do this to it. You know, um, it's it, it's really great. I love it here. So it does seem like you do get a pretty good amount of value out of having that studio. I love my studio. Like I, yeah. I love the idea of having a studio too, separate from home. But in my case, I already work from home as my day job. So I'm just so comfortable yeah. to just turning my head five degrees to the right to work on a digital project. Well, you already have an office. Yeah. So when I got this studio, we were in a very small two bedroom apartment and I had, we had the second bedroom uh, cut in half, half was for my studio, half was for Dan's projects, for his sculpture and uh, for his music stuff. So it was so small. And so uh, when I was ready to get a studio, I, I, had, I, I knew about this space. And when I got here, this room was open, the room with the windows, mm. the best room. So... <laughs> I think, you know, it was meant to be. I got the space. Now we have a bigger space, but I still have my studio. Dan has a bigger studio where he has the laser cutter and he has, uh, like, his workspace. There's not really room for me in the house unless I were to build another shed or something. It is really a wonderful gallery space that you and John and the others have all put together there. It's it's quite impressive. It's great, yeah. For anyone who wants to see your work, um, the best places to follow you are at pergamopapergoods.com or on your link tree, uh, which is l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash pergamopapergoods. Uh, are you also you're also on Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok, all those things as Pergamo Paper Goods, I assume? Um, everything is Pergamo Paper Goods except TikTok, which is just my name, Gianna Pergamo. OK. Um, and I'm like trying to work on TikTok, but it's hard. So that one, there's art, but it's also like a lot of videos of my dogs running around <laughs> because they're incredibly cute. <laughs> one thing I've learned about TikTok is. A, I'm definitely not doing it to its fullest, but B, I get a lot of great engagement on TikTok. If I post a video with just a little bit of helpful information, I'll get tons of comments, tons of people who like it, tons of people who share it. And in that regard, it feels way more organic of a peer-to-peer -peer education platform than Instagram or Twitter ever was. Yeah, I really like TikTok for that. I follow a lot of uh, makers and stuff. And it's cool because you can just like ask a question and they'll say, oh, yeah, like I I, I made it like this. I use this brand, uh, you know, uh, tool. And it's yeah, it's great. I posted I was doing some paper marbling last month and I was like I, I posted a paper marbling video cool. and people are like, oh, which which inks did you use? How do I do this? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you just blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's cool. I, I like that. Also, TikTok shop 
is kind of cool. Uh, I haven't messed I'm, like, with that at all. To... I'm a little scared of it, but have you worked with it? I uh, integrated my, I transferred my Shopify site over to TikTok. They don't, I think they're going to have a, a connector soon. I had to use a third party uh, thing to sync it. Uh, but I just imported every product in so that if I do a video about something, I can just tag the stuff. Um, I just started doing it. I only put my goal is to post on TikTok once a week. So I feel very happy with my four orders so far. Mm -hmm. It's a wow. start. Um, you have to start somewhere. So well, I, I think it's cool. So. Yeah. yeah. Do you is your site through Shopify or is it through um I'm Shopify. Squarespace? Yeah. Yeah, uh you can just import. I have to import things because I have over 400 products on my website. You know, I'm not manually uploading stuff. Right. Okay, cool. Well, aside from Pergamo Paper Goods, are there any other um manufacturers you work with that you want to shout out? Oh, uh, so Pergamo Paper Goods check out Toad Hill Farm. Sure. Um, that is all like vintage imagery, uh, antique imagery that we laser cut onto magnets, ornaments and earrings, like cute stuff, like, you know, like vintage cats, typewriters and stuff. We have some really cool erotic images that you can get as an ornament. Um, they're very racy. I think <laughs> you'd like them, Nick. And uh, what else? The, uh, my new project uh, it's, it has a silly name. It's called Tina's closet. And, uh, it's, um, one of my dogs nugget. We call her nugget Tina. So it's <laughs> Tina's closet. It's going to have a lot of rescue inspired apparel. That's what it's going to start with. So those three things, and then shout out studios at five, six, six, three in Pinellas park. Come to our fourth Saturday block party, 4 to 9 p.m. every fourth Saturday. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Gianna. Thank you for being an amazing font of knowledge. Thank you for being such a great coach for other artists. And uh, thank you for Aww. braving the trails of being a functioning artist who is not afraid to merchandise. You make it easier for everyone else. Oh, thanks, Nick. <laughs> thank you, Gianna. I hope you have a great day. You too. Art for Profit's Sake is recorded through Riverside FM, distributed through Spotify for Podcasters, and edited on Adobe Audition. The music is provided by Old Romans. If you learned anything useful or found this podcast helpful, please rate and review us five stars. If you want to learn more about me or my art, head over to chainassembly.com.